Hey, Mike. good morning, Munchropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking below! What can I say? The camera loves me. Shall we begin? After you, Junior. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Multiplex Logged It. I'm your host, Caleb Lilba Boatman. Tim McCullough is not here. Uh, so with me, but we've got a great panel talking about movies that made us love movies. So uh, we have uh, our regional Don Rickles, Woody Harrelson, George C. Scott, whatever you want to call him, Cody Newberry. How are you doing, Cody? I seen you uh, I'm great. Um, I'm glad that uh, the empl- one of the employees of Multiplex Entertainment came back uh, to work <laughs> today. That was great. I'm glad to see him. Um, he doesn't look like he got much sun, so he's been sitting in a movie theater, so that's pretty cool. Um, overall, uh, should be fun. Uh, I was under the impression Tim was going to be here, and Tim is not here, so that makes me a little sad. But uh, Mike's here, and a robot. So other than that, we'll see how the night goes. I have no idea how this is going to go. I'm but, probably going to disagree I mean, with Joseph's picks. I did get. I I'll say this: I got more sun than I normally get in a normal week. So you know, progress. <laughs> That's true. Um, Mike. Yes. Mike. Oh yeah. The man with the boat. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fucking great. It's a great fucking time. It's a great fucking show. Open the pod bay doors, Joseph. I'm sorry, Boatman, but I'm afraid I can't do that. (laughs) How you doing, Joseph? I'm doing okay. (laughs) I just wanted to do that at least. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. Well, we're going to get started. With your favorite movie that you logged this week. Uh, Joseph, we'll start with you. What is your favorite movie you logged this week? Are you not, are you, Joseph, you're muted. My bad. So uh, I wrote a quick review about this movie saying RIP to the cast members of Z that have passed away this year. But it's technically not a movie that I logged, logged. For this week it was just a review that i added to a past log so my favorite movie that i logged this past week was indiana jones and the temple of doom this was a rewatch that i did for the video store challenge of 2022 in which i had to watch a movie that freaked you out as a kid or a thought of a movie that scared you and this movie freaked the hell out of me as a kid from the dinner with the Maharaja to the infamous heart scene and rewatching it as an adult. I'm like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm over that now. So that's, that's pretty cool. I can watch this calmly now, but also not calmly because man, I forgot how intense this movie is and how much fun it is. There's a lot of great production and how this world of where this new, this new world where Indiana Jones is fighting in, it's not Nazis, but it's a cult that is sacrificing human beings. And I forgot how just how much suspense and action and obstacles and danger 
that Willie, Indy, and Short Round go through, especially in the second half when they're trying to go through the get, when they're trying to get out of the cave and rescue all the kids there. It's obstacle and danger after obstacle and danger. I was like, this is so much more fun than I remembered as a kid because I was so distracted by being scared as a kid. So now I can enjoy it and have so much fun with it now. Ah, this was a great film. This, this, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad I rewatched this movie. It's gone way up on my list. It might even make my top 100 in the future. Wow. Uh, yeah, there's behind the scenes inside baseball for a second. There's a large debate, I feel like, with people about what's the worst movie, Temple of Doom or Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And I just want to get on the record as saying that Temple of Doom is a better movie than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Kaiser, Koho, uh, Holzman, all of you guys, your psychopaths. Yes. Anyway, Temple of Doom is a fun time. And it doesn't hit the highs for the other two indies with me. Uh, I think the thing that drags it down will always be Willie Scott. I think she's really annoying. Um, but, but overall, this is a fun time. It doesn't it doesn't hit the high highs for me, but I, I do enjoy it. Like the the Berg is the man. Uh, Mike, we're talking about the Berg, so I'm gonna go to you. Yeah, damn right. Yeah, growing up, this was my favorite indie movie. For a lot of years, I love the hell out of this movie. This one I rewatched the most. Yeah, it has the dark elements, of course, but it was mainly the friendship between Indy and Short Round that I absolutely loved. From the cheating at cards to Short Round coming to Indy's aid towards the end, they're just fucking amazing together. And I love the minecart chase; it's fucking awesome. And then the rope bridge is always fun. Everything Joseph said. I agree with it is a great fucking time. It is a great fucking movie. Cody. Uh I'm well, I'm really surprised that he brought up um Temple. I mean, <laughs> in this community, like Temple is like the you know, the redheaded stepchild. Like no one really loves the people don't like it, they talk bad about it. I'm a big fan. Um Overall, where this fits is the same way it fits in Back to the Future for me. It's the I don't love the second one as much as I love one and three. It's the same reason in this one. Like I love one and three of indie. Two is just as good. It just doesn't hit every note that I love in it. Like there's no problem with it. So I just don't understand how you can watch like if you watch all three together or around each other, how you can't have a good time. Like it's so much fun. And I've just, I've, I've been on the record. Like, this is Harrison Ford. Like, as much as every other character, like, I think Han Solo could be cast again by somebody else down the line. I really do. Like, if you ever remade that, I just, I don't believe Indy should be passed. Like, I think Indy should just be Harrison Ford because it's the character I see him as. This movie has so much fun in it. The internet tells you you're supposed to hate this. But overall... No, short round is flipping awesome. Like I used to quote that all the time, probably insensitive, but I used to quote <laughs> it all the time. Like hold on to your potatoes, like uh no time for love. Like there are great moments throughout this movie, like that he is fantastic in. And again, I watched everywhere all at once or whatever, and he's just when Tim pointed that out, I was like, 
holy <laughs> hell, like this is the greatest move that just was a highlight. So yes, I understand for you, robot man, too you like, but I'm saying that's my reference. Um yeah. I'm really surprised. I never thought, especially somebody like younger, would bring up Temple and be like, "Love it!" Like this is the movie. It's crazy. Mike, real quickly, I gotta ask: which is the more traumatizing PG-rated movie from 1984? This movie or Gremlins? Oh, it's got to be The Heart from Temple. Like 100, percent The Heart from Temple yeah. for most traumatizing. Yeah, <laughs> Gremlins is more the fun type of horror. Temple was just I, whole, gonna skip whole town out. is stupid. Whole town <laughs> is stupid. Just uh, I think I think Mike's got a point. Anyway, though, uh, we'll we'll go over to Mike. Mike, what's your favorite movie along this week? Okay, so this is kind of a cheat because this could also be used for the topic today. But I had to rewatch it for the one on one frights. I'm going eighty four Ghostbusters. I will watch the shit out of that <laughs> two days ago. And I fucking love it. <laughs> you know, there's nothing better than 84 Ghostbusters except for Jurassic Park, of course. Nothing compares to that. Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, and Dan Aykroyd are fucking incredible in this movie. Bill Murray's humor throughout this is amazing. Opening with him doing the damn test and <laughs> just fucking with that kid for five dollars by shocking him as much as he does even when he gets it right is hilarious the whole concept of bill murray not believing in anything that's going on until he actually starts to see that this shit's real is awesome and dan Aykroyd and harold ramus are just fucking great together man their humor together is fantastic and ernie hudson coming in towards the second half is always a fun time that dude is the heart of the fucking ghostbusters i love this movie so much that I I've talked about it on the top hundred, so I don't need to say any more about it. Great shit. That is fair. Uh yeah. Uh Ghostbusters is a classic for a reason. I think just the dynamic of the four is so important. Like honestly, like I think the kind of one of the bigger problems in the movie is that Winston honestly isn't in it more. Because I think having that skeptic outsider in there is actually a super important element of the movie. And I think he actually elevates every scene he's in. Uh, but I, all four of these guys are great. Uh, I'm always going to love Ray, but Peter... Uh, one of my favorite scenes ever is Peter uh, doing the ESP test. I love that scene so much. Uh, and Egon... Egon always gonna Egon. Oh uh, yeah, no, this movie's great. We're <laughs> we're doing a lot of 1984 rewatches. Uh, but yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Joseph, Ghostbusters. So I don't love this movie as much as others do. Um, the first half of this movie, I thought was very good. I laugh. I think it's fun. I like the camaraderie between the characters. But for some reason, the second half just doesn't work for me. Like I stopped laughing. Uh, in a, like there's a steady good, there's a good steady amount of laughs for me in the first half, but not so much the second one. I haven't seen it in a while, but yeah, that, that's that's how I'm at right now for the movie. Uh, that is completely fair. So now we're going to go over to Cody. Oh. That's what I said, Cody. Oh, that was the weirdest. That was the weirdest transition to Ghostbusters ever. That was like, hey, we're going to your favorite movie, but you know what? You're the host. I'm apologizing. I just interpreted. No, it well. I'm sorry. I did word that weirdly. I just, yeah, I'm. Sorry. I apologize. 
Um, to help you with the second half, uh, Joseph, uh, get you a video store. Um, watch it with a group. I'm telling you, this movie used to be on like a lower end for me, not as fun. Uh, I have a bl- I had a blast last time I watched this. I'm really ticked that Mike actually watched this. I um, was hoping down the line this month we could watch it again, um, where I would par- I would I would pair this with uh, Afterlife again. One. I want to watch this in Afterlife uh, again, like that uh, double feature because I I just think I I loved Afterlife more than most. Um, and then back, uh, and this one was just great with Mike. Like, I think it just benefits when you watch a movie that people love, kind of like the topic we're talking about. When you watch a movie with people that they love the movie, and you can see the joy that the movie brings them, it it helps you. Like, uh, Evil Dead. What's the one we watched, Mike? Together, I can't remember. Um, Army uh, of Darkness. Army of Darkness. Yeah. That's not a me movie, but watching Azario and Mike have so much fun with it livened the movie for me. Now, when I watch it by myself again, it's probably going to fall apart. So I'm going to leave it in that memory box. So, uh, yeah, Ghostbusters, if I'm watching Ghostbusters, I'm not going to watch it by myself. I'm going to go towards Mike and be like, hey, Mike, we need to watch Ghostbusters. (laughs) That's where I sit on it. Uh, It's a fun time. So great, great. I, I'm really surprised you brought it up here and not <laughs> later, but whatever. You do you. No, it makes sense. It's Mike. He has like a thousand movies <laughs> that made him love movies. Well, he messaged me before the show and said, are we bringing up a certain topic? I said, it's all yours. You can have it. <laughs> anyway, Cody, go ahead. Okay, so this one's going to be, I think, a little unpopular. Like, there's one that I was going to bring up. I was going to bring Mean Girls because October 3rd, I always watch it on that day. Um, but um, this is, I, I think I have to admit it to myself. This is my favorite of his movies. And I think even his writing of movies. I'm going with Molly's Game as... Sorkin's, I love Molly's game. It's the mixture between poker and like his line of dialogue that makes it like explode on the screen for me. And I think Molly Bloom overall is a very interesting character to write about of like what she did and why she's, why like she has to like um, battle through her growing up the intricate games. Um, I didn't include it in my top 100 scenes, so it's not included. But I think the most, like, I hate myself for not including it. But the scene where she is on the park bench at, uh, at the skating rink with Kevin Costner. Costner is a block of wood most times in movies. That is the one of the best acting performances he's ever given. Because when he sits there and is like, I'm going to give you three years of therapy in about ten minutes. And like lays it all out there. And you see like this actual heart moment between both of them that are so brutal to each other. Because they don't have a relationship. I think it's brilliant. Uh, I can't. I could watch this movie. It's it's climbed so far on my top 100 because rewatching it, I was like, it's an hour. It's 140 minutes. It's over two hours. It should be a slog at certain points. Like I get it. You set up games, but it takes a turn at the end. I think Idris Elba also great scene. Not on my top 100 when he's like talking to the other lawyers about she ran a game. She did ten thousand dollars. Just cut the thing and get out of here. Like this is what we need to do. It's a brilliant. I think it's Sorkin's writing with the topic of poker. It's like, and it doesn't beat you over the head with poker knowledge, 
which I think this movie could fall into a trap of. It doesn't. It teaches you like it teaches you basically as you watch it, but doesn't treat you like you're stupid. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I think Jessica Chastain is amazing in this movie. I agree completely. Uh, I I really do love the scene with Idris Elba. Idris Elba, I don't think gets enough credit for this movie, but I love that scene that you're talking about with uh, the kind of off the record uh, interview with the prosecutors. Uh, Cause I do believe it is the same scene where the prosecutor's like, we don't buy it. You were way more connected to the Russian mob than you're letting on. Look here, it says, get Molly. We need Molly. Bring Molly. <laughs> and the reveal. When she sits there calmly, they're talking they about the talking, drug. They were talking about the drug. <laughs> and like, he just bell- like laughs in the scene. Like he's just like, guys, like I've seen you do this before. It's so great. It is so great. Uh, I Michael Sarah playing Toby Maguire is amazing. Like that's that's great. Uh, I would watch a Michael Sarah Toby Maguire biopic. I don't think they would let that happen, but I would watch it. Uh, but I also really like Jeremy Strong for like the scene and a half he's in the movie as Dean Keith. I really like him. I like Jer- I'm I'm kind of on a Jeremy Strong watch along right now like he's been showing up a lot of things i'm re- i'm also re-watching succession so that's part of it but yeah i like him so yeah anyway uh joseph how do you feel about molly's game i've been meaning to watch it i have not seen it yet oh wow i feel like you would like it i feel like what i know about your movie taste you would like it um uh, mike i know you watched this not too recently yeah but, yeah Mainly because of you and Cody. Like two weeks ago, we were on call and you guys were talking about Molly's Games and I hadn't rewatched it like I'd been wanting to. So I went, oh, fuck it, I'm going to rewatch it finally. So I rewatched it and I I enjoy the hell out of it. It is really good. Jessica Chastain is amazing. Michael Sarah is incredible in that movie. He's so good. When it comes to the poker scenes, I fucking love it to death. The poker scenes are so good. And I love the, it's another movie of the rise and fall of someone. And I think they do it well in this movie. No, I agree completely. Uh, now we are over to me. And uh, before I make my actual pick, I do want to shout out uh, a movie that I saw like yesterday, Official Competition. Uh, it's it's a recent movie. It's with Penelope Cruz and Antonio uh, Banderas. Watch it. It's great as soon as you can. Like It's, it's fantastic. It's from this year. But anyway. Oh. Can I guess your movie? Yeah. <laughs> If it's not this, I'm really confused. Is it not the movie you saw in that theater? Yeah, it's old boy. It's old boy. Oh, okay. Oh, oh you thought of the. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was the fiction. Yeah. I thought it was yeah, Pulp yeah. Fiction oh, in that oh, theater. Like I, I mean, Pulp Fiction is okay. I will say that Pulp Fiction is probably my favorite overall movie I watched this week. I always pick a new watch for favorite. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. That, that's just something I do. Is I always try to pick something. I haven't seen before, unless there's just nothing. But usually, I or something I haven't watched. One. Anyway, uh, old boy, uh, I saw this at the Dolby Theater uh, with Payson, and uh, I had never seen it, and this was a fun time. Now, unfortunately, uh, I, uh, you know, two years ago, decided to hit myself over the head with a mallet and watch the Spike Lee version for trivia <laughs> purposes. So I knew a few of the twists going into it. But honestly, that didn't that didn't hurt this movie for me. 
Uh, I think that this movie is fantastic. Uh, I I don't want to give too much away for the people who haven't seen it, but it is phenomenally directed, phenomenally acted. The way the mystery unfolds is great. Uh, there's some disturbing moments in it, but there's also some funny moments in it. It's it's honestly like got a little bit of everything. I, I really enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, and seeing it in a theater, I think, was the best way to watch it. Uh, Cody, I don't think you've seen Old Boy. Uh, Mike, I'm, I'm pretty sure you have. Yeah, okay. So this is an interesting one here because this is a movie I have not seen since high school. Oh. And it, I have not forgotten the scene in it because it was that type of movie. And I've been meaning to rewatch it because I got to log the shit. But yeah, I love the hell out of this movie. It's done so well. And yeah, the first introduction of doing this, the Spike Lee one, got her off when it comes. <laughs> it's got her off one, two. But yeah, the original, definitely check it out. It is a great fucking movie. It's fair. Uh, Joseph? So I have not seen either version, but I was spoiled the twist. And it makes me, it, it, it scares me to watch it in, in all honesty. There are some parts that I have seen about it, and I do think that they are artistically impressive. I'm just, it, it, it makes me uncomfortable to, to watch it for myself. That's fair, Joseph. I would say someone who had the twist spoiled for him, if that's your main, con if your concern is, the discomfort level, that's fair. If your concern is just, it's you already know going in. I think the way things unfold is super interesting. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, that's it for favorite movies uh, we watched this week and we logged this week. Now, over to your least favorite movie you logged this week. Joseph, we'll go back to you. Oh, you're muted again. That's right. So continuing on with the Video Store 2022 Letterboxd Challenge, uh, one of the other categories that I was able to cross off this past week was Stanley Kramer films. And the one movie that I watched, I would say feels, I wouldn't say it's terrible, but it does feel underwhelming. And this is a movie from 1977 called The Domino Principle. It's a movie that has Gene Hackman playing this Vietnam War vet who's going to carry out this uh, e uh, this covert task for a secret corporation, and in exchange for him getting out of prison. Um, I like the intrigue. I like the setup for this movie. I think that it does a great job in getting. In making him in making Gene Hackman's character paranoid, it's uh, interesting that he made this and the conversation in the same decade within a few years. Um, but then it feels like th this movie's like an hour and forty minutes long. At about almost an hour, they're still setting up the fact that he has to make a that he has to carry out a mission for this secret corporation, and. It just doesn't feel like it moves anywhere from that. So it feels a little underwhelming for that regard. The, the second 
And the last half hour does pick up a little bit. You actually see him try to attempt to do it. But then there's this twist that happens that I feel undermines some of the... I, 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 I don't like how this particular twist is carried out because I don't think it adds much to the... Or I don't like what it does or implies about the first part of the story. I don't... Uh, I feel like it's a little cheap. It cheapens a bit what happened in the in the first part of the movie. So that's uh, my that's my least uh, favorite part of the movie, even though I didn't hate it. I still think it's entertaining, but it was my least favorite movie I logged this past week. Also really weird. This movie opens with Sergio Leone-like credits with the gunshots and cannon booms or blasts of sorts with the credits giving this narration. And I was like, this is Stanley Kramer? I thought this was supposed to be, this this feels like a Sergio Leone opening first. And, and then it changes. But that was weird. That's fair. I've always kind of feel like Kramer's a little bit of a chameleonic director. I don't know if he necessarily has a through line for me personally. Uh, but that's kind of what I like about him. Um, but yeah, uh, I haven't seen this one. Uh, it's disappointing to learn that it's not great because Kramer and Hackman seem like a good fit but yeah uh cody i guess you haven't seen this mike no that's fair uh well uh mike we will go over to you what's your least favorite movie you log this week okay so i had to do uh, another one from the 101 frights and i blame coho for this because he added it to the fucking list the gallows i hate this fucking movie i i hated it the first time i watched it and i had to fucking watch it again why is it on the list coho Coho added it. I don't know why, but yeah, it, it's just it's straight by the numbers, basically slasher movie with a ghost, and it. This is what happens when you pick. Yeah. Let somebody that doesn't appreciate or like horror to pick horror movies. Hey, he my additions on the list were good. I no. said this is Coho. Did you I pick like Gallows? Them. I'm just saying I don't like a pro or appreciator. I mean, I but you them. know film. That's right. You don't watch it at two times speed? <laughs> Which I guarantee he's going to do with this movie, too, guys. <laughs> but yeah, it's a movie. Is this the. Can I ask a question? Because I'm really confused. Is this the one that's about, like, at the. Like, it's a production? Like, it's a like a play? Is that yeah, the where one? the guy gets accidentally hanged? Oh, my gosh. I watched 45 minutes of this in the theater and I walked out. Like, and then that's not saying much because the runtime, I don't believe, is very long. No. I believe I lasted over halfway and I just couldn't get through it. Yeah, this movie. Wow. <sighs> I, I we need to do a study of movies left off the top one oh one, and like, be like, why was the gallows chosen over? Yeah, Mike, is the Exorcist on the one oh one? Do not do not do not say that. Oh no, I don't. Oh no, it is okay. It is okay. I was, yeah. I wanted so, to be I went, wait, did I Because I know I would have watched it by now for that list, but I went, did I? Did if you put the gallows over the exorcist, I would have had a, I would have had a coronary. I would have dead. I always, I always get this movie mixed up with the Lazarus Project because they came out around the same time. Yeah, uh, and yeah. The, those two movies always like. 
conflate in my brain. Uh, I did, didn't see either of them, but I just remember those <laughs> were the two, the two crappy horror movies that came out around the same time. Uh, Joseph, you see The Gallows? I have not seen it, but uh, please see Freaks from that list of 101 movies. Yes. I saw that movie Freaks earlier this good. year. Freaks is good. I watched yeah. that yes. last year during October. Freaks is quite good. Fun time. fact, I read that it's that it was banned in a few states in the U.S. because people thought that it was an exploitation movie of people who had different uh, deformities, but it's been uh, culturally, culturally re-appreciated uh, re uh, again. But some right. states apparently don't have their laws taken down from that. So apparently, some state in some states it's illegal to watch freaks. So if you're if you're okay in your it's state, it's probably Missouri. To be honest with you, I'm probably screwed. <laughs> if we're being honest, it's got to be Missouri. There's no question. We can't sports bet, but we can we can own 75 shotguns. It doesn't matter. It's crazy. So yeah, watch the movie that was banned in a few states and still is in some states today. I need to yes, I need to look yes, it up. Garth. I need to look yes, it up. Garth. That's funny. Uh anyway, uh Cody. Oh yeah, I was supposed to pick a movie. Um so uh this is this is just the facts. Um I didn't log this because I'm doing fandom, which I'm about to break fandom. I'm going to announce it publicly. I'm not saying I'm not doing fandom, but I cannot do it chronological order. This is the worst hell I've ever experienced. I can't do it. I've been stuck. I've been stuck for so long, but I'm going to break it up into like different categories. Either, anyways, my kids were watching the movie, and this is going to get some pushback, and I really don't care. I've said this before. My bad. My worst is Tarzan. Um, and it's not because it's like the by far the worst movie that I've seen this. It's just the worst one I've watched this week. And it's my kids watched. I didn't even log it yet. Um, this soundtrack is fantastic. I've I listen to the soundtrack often. The movie sucks. Like if we're being real, I'm sorry, everyone, but the movie's not good. There's not a real appealing character in it that makes you like go, yeah, Disney, I love it. It was coming off of the run of Disney. That just doesn't. It, it just hits flat. Like I don't. I don't think the villains that great. I don't think the main characters have a strong enough like connection that makes me care. Um, and I think it's mainly Phil Collins's probably problem because his the movie does not equal the soundtrack. The soundtrack is going so hard and enjoy, like. I I mean I've heard I've heard Boatman while in the same house rock out to Son of Man <laughs> while he was taking a shower. That it kicks. It makes sense. But when you watch it in the movie, you're like, what? This doesn't. No, I don't. I just I don't even think the I think the animation is fine for the time. I think, but I think when you rank this up against when did it come out? Ninety nine. Yeah, of the nineties Disney run, it's got to be the last one drafted. Out of the 90s? Maybe. I, I'm not a Pocahontas guy. Okay, sure. Racism definitely goes lower. But <laughs> I was going to say Pocahontas, put, yeah. Yeah, you put you put the savages lower and then this. That's the that's the last pick. You have even me that doesn't like Hunchback, you have to give Hunchback credit over this movie for me. The story's more compelling. So, that's my pick. I know it's unpopular, but that's... I'm I'm higher on this movie than you are, Cody. I will say I pretty much agree with your assessment about the, the ranking, though. I don't think there's... 
at least for me, anything. May I, you could make an argument for like Rescuers Down Under, I guess, but I kind of like that movie. Uh, but yeah, no, I I like. I'm I'm gonna be a little higher on this movie than you are. I I like Tarzan and Jane. I think the way their connection is done, I, I think is actually quite well done. I also, and I wish the movie would have focused more on it. Uh, I do like the connection between Tarzan and his and the Kerchak. I actually think that's a, a really interesting dynamic, and I wish the movie would have bought a little bit more into that because I actually think that's one of the more interesting dynamics of the movie. Clayton is bad, though. I'll, I'll agree with that. I think Clayton is maybe the worst Disney villains, uh, villain of the 90s except for Governor Ratcliffe. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, Joseph, thoughts on Tarzan? Um. In, tar in terms of villains, I feel like Clayton gets more development than, say, Shan Yu and Mulan. Even though I technically Shan Yu is, does worse things, I know what I know. I know he technically does worse things, but I don't know. I feel at least that I don't know. I feel like he's more of a generic kind of bad guy than Clayton is in, in Tarzan. And his and his. Sorry. Go he doesn't get how many men does it take to deliver a message though that, <laughs> but he has the moment. but he has arguably hold on let me think arguably the second best death scene of the disney villains of the 90s and well anyway i mean the I, worst one the worst of the villains of the 90s has to be from mulan right thank I, you i shan you yes that's I, what i was I saying it. i i don't how? Think how he doesn't do men? shit Tell me, how many men does it take to deliver a message? <laughs> I like, I like that. I think that brings him higher than Clayton for me personally. Sure, I guess. I just like him hanging. I mean, if you're gonna give him a point, I give him when he dies. Like, I think it's great. I was like, Disney That's movie. Funny. Mike probably saw that when he was like, you know, twelve. It was like <laughs> more hanging. Uh, but yeah, in terms of the. In terms of the movie itself, like, or in the movie as a whole, I like. So I'm a little bit biased towards this movie because I watched it a lot as a kid. I watched a lot of '90s uh, Disney movies as a kid. This Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Tar uh, Hercules, and Mulan. The one I didn't watch as much was uh, the ones I didn't watch as much were Hunchback of Notre Dame and Pocahontas. I've re I've rewatched Hunchback as an adult, and I really really like it. Um, this movie. Uh, I still enjoy it. I haven't gone back to it in in a while, but yeah, I I think I, I still I can still watch it. Mike, Mike, uh, yeah. So Tarzan, I will say I we watch this movie mainly for the soundtrack. I, I bump out to that soundtrack, especially in like drive-throughs and shit. I will fucking turn that shit up to eleven every time. <laughs> yeah, other than that, the movie is in the middle of Disney shit compared to the actual soundtrack. The soundtrack makes that shit go higher for sure. Anybody remember when Chance said one time on Your List Sucks that the best song in this soundtrack was Trashing the Camp because it's the one yeah, that he's, has a, the he's a moron. He also <laughs> hates Leonardo DiCaprio. Don't be in the camp <laughs> of that. Okay. Anyways, um, no. And the problem with this movie is listen. What's the what's the dad gorilla? Uh, Kerchak. Uh, Kerchak should have beat the fuck out of Tarzan. You do not stand up to a silverback and walk away from that. That man should have been on the ground. Just saying. That's fair. Uh, anyway, 
Now we're over to me. Look, sometimes <laughs> movies come out in theaters. And the the behind-the-scenes controversies can, can sometimes hurt a movie. I think I, I can I feel like I can separate those things from that. And even then, separating it, don't worry, darling, is still a piece of garbage. Oh man. Now I will I, I will give this movie some props up front. Florence Pugh and Chris Pine are actually really good in this. They're not given much to work with, but I think those are just two really talented actors. And I think they, they get a lot out of it, particularly Chris Pine. I really like him in this. Other than that, here's what this whole movie is. Oh, and the, the cinematography, production design, costume design are all excellent. But other than that, here's what this movie is. Hi, I'm Olivia Wilde. You want to know what the twist is? You want to know what the twist is? You want to know what the twist is? And then she tells you the twist, and then the movie's over. It sucks. It sucks. It's bad. Uh, Harry Styles is atrocious in it. And he's clearly trying to do an American accent, because he's not sounding normal. But it was so bad that I'm, like, 99% sure they, like, wrote it in. Because there's, like, one throwaway line about him being British. And I'm I'm confident that was, like, added in afterward. Because, like, he's not talking, like, in a normal accent. It's this weird combination American-British accent. And I'm convinced it's because of that. Uh, this movie has some, like, pretty, like... Honestly, this was kind of a fun, bad movie. But it would have been a better fun bad movie if it didn't, for lack of a better word, have don't look up vibes. It, it honestly feels like like if, if Adam McKay using his don't look up brain tried to make Get Out. That's what this movie feels like. Um, it's it's bad. It's quite bad. Yeah. Uh, Cody, you see this yet? No, but here's the problem. So this is where I've always... Um... Wherever I stay away from trailers like ninety eight percent of time, I normally let like the the synopsis and stuff like guide me because this is these are one of those classic examples that I would have went into this movie when I so when I judge a movie where I want to see it is it's going to be it's going to be initial reaction from people that I trust overall like. Unless it's a movie that's sold already, like Spider-Man, I was going to see Spider-Man regardless of what anybody told me. This is one of those movies that has a cast that's fantastic, but overall, don't know if I want to see it. But the trailer sold me on how great-looking this movie is. More reviews come out, it tells me exactly what this movie is. It's a great two-minute trailer, but when you force it out for as long as it was, it's come. It's it's a mess. Like, it's a garbage of a film. There's just certain directors that shouldn't handle suspense. If and, and at the end of the day, like it, you can't just practice in all mediums. You you don't have the skill or the talent. Like what did she do? She did Booksmart, wasn't that? Olivia yeah, Wilde? yeah, Booksmart. Great, 
practice in your lane. Do some comedy. But when you try to like suspend that and go to something else because you want to play in a different sandbox, you're going to have some kids come along and beat the shit out of you because you're not supposed to be in their sandbox. That's theirs. They're playing in that. You're not allowed to do that because she doesn't have the talent. She doesn't know how to do suspense. And I think that's a proven point of this movie. I think also Hollywood needs to stop casting A-listers. Just because they're A-listers and they think they're cool doesn't need to be Harry you're a popular singer stay the fuck out of film like you don't need to be in film like stop so this movie just makes me mad because Florence Pugh regardless of the backstage drama Florence Pugh is literally one of the best actresses working right now and she wasted part of her life doing this film that people are going to hate and it just is uh, frustrating when she could have but you could have passed the same topic to somebody else another director and I think you slam dunk you hit a home run so, I don't know. I don't know, Cody. I think Florence Pugh does too much frowning. I mean, she does do a lot of frowning, but it's the best frowning in the game. So, hey, it's like Burt Lancaster grinning. That's what they just they yeah. want. Anyway, uh, Joseph, I don't think you have seen this yet. You're not really a recent. I have not seen this. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Mike, I haven't seen it yet. That's fair. Uh, well, me and Mike will watch on two times speed once it comes out. On, on, uh, on the- <laughs> Honestly, this is a movie that I won't give you crap for watching. <laughs> Appreciate it. Anyway, uh, now we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the show. It is the movies that made you fall in love with movies. Uh, so, uh, Cody, I will let you start. Uh, give us your first pick. Um, so I could go a lot of different, I think this is like one of the hardest topics to bring things up on, um, because what you made you love movies is like, and maybe not pick something that I just have talked at, at, as nauseam about. Um, I have to go with the movie. I think, I think the movie that changed for me was when I was a teenager that made me know, made me realize how bad I want to watch movies like every day of my life instead of like occasional. It's not the first one. If that one gets taken, take it. I'm okay with that. I'll bring it back, uh, but I will take the other. The first one is Pulp Fiction. And the reason why I pick fiction is because it's the first movie I ever remember pl- watching it twice in a row. I couldn't get enough of what I just saw that I had to go back in and revisit it again and loved it just as much or even more. It's a movie that was talked about, a movie that gets enough praise. Like it's arguably an overpraised movie, but like I think it deserves the praise because I think it's that brilliant of a film, especially in Tarantino's like you can just tell like even even once upon a time in Hollywood, right? The thing is about Tarantino, what I give him passes on, is you can tell how much he loves movies and how much he loves making them, and you can feel it in every one of his movies. Like, there are certain directors that I feel like, oh, you're directing just to direct at this point, or you're doing this just because you don't know what else to do. I feel like Tarantino made a movie with Pulp Fiction that is just absolutely brilliant. I think... Um, it's my favorite one. Is it his best one? No, because I think he's not at the, his full strength when he makes this. I think Inglorious is 
arguably like technically probably his best. But this movie, what he's able to capture with the performances and in the, it's got an indie vibe to it. Like you can tell throughout, like it doesn't have like, yeah, I think if you tried to make Pulp Fiction nowadays with the same thing, I think it's overdone and over like explode. Like I don't think it has the gritty vibe that this movie has. People are down on certain parts of this. This is a movie that I think works throughout for me. I love the Butch stuff just as much as I love Samuel L. Jackson. Again, I would take an entire movie of Samuel L. Jackson. But with the music, the pacing of this, everything pulled into one, Pulp Fiction is the It made me realize like this is not just like a once a week, couple days thing. This is like I, I want to watch stuff daily. And I... I love the movie to this day about it. So, Pulp Fiction is my first choice. Uh, yeah. And I'm really jealous of you in California. Like, I'm super jealous. Like, I'm not going to say it and, like, hate you for it for the rest of it, but I hate you. Like, I hate That's fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I got to see this at the New Bev uh, Tarantino's Theater, and that was an awesome experience. Uh, the I don't know if they just did this for Pulp Fiction or if they always do this, but like at the concession stand, the dr- instead of saying drinks, it says tasty beverages, <laughs> and I love that. Uh, and the cups even say tasty beverages on them. And so uh, I had to get a Sprite. Uh, <laughs> what are you drinking, Sprite? Can I have some of your tasty beverage? I love it. I love it. Uh, but no, uh, this is this is a fantastic movie. I, I am on the record, and I on rewatch I still stand by it that it's not even weak it's not even it's good this the segment of the movie I like the least is the butch stuff I just think there's a little too much filler in it for me personally but does that doesn't change the fact that this is a five star movie and a brilliant movie uh this was not the first Tarantino I saw the first Tarantino I saw was Inglorious Bastards that was my introduction to Tarantino which that is my favorite Tarantino so do with that information what you will. Uh, but yeah, uh, brilliant movie. Uh, Joseph. Yeah, uh, I know this is kind of uh, eye-rolling for Cody, but this and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are my two favorite Tarantino movies. Uh, Pulp Fiction, this movie. This and Reservoir Dogs. Just listening to the dialogues made me go like, wow, dialogues could be like this. And it, they could be this snappy and this clever. I was like, Wow, I, I, I'm, I'm and I and also the last time I rewatched this movie, I I was I, I want to talk about something. The editing for this movie is so fluid. Like uh, I already noticed, I I already know that the dialogue is great and the acting is great and the story is unpredictable. But on this most recent rewatch, I was like, this editing is very great. Like it, uh, the conversations start at right where they need to start so that they don't, like it, it doesn't feel like it has any empty space for uh, for the movie to slow down. It takes its time, but it also doesn't lag or anywhere. I love the, the dream after Christopher Walken's monologue. You hear the bell ring when Butch grabs the watch and then he wakes up. I just love that moment. And uh, yeah, I, I, also the Butch segment is my least is also my least favorite part also. But it ends with a uh, spoilers for Pulp Fiction for that one person who hasn't seen it. But uh, 
it ends with a gunshot blast that is very satisfying. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Um, anyway, uh, Mike, I know you and I had a long talk about this movie recently. Yes, so, uh, okay, so like Boatman, I also got to see this at the New Bev a couple years ago. However, this was actually one of the movies I had on the list of choosing tonight because six-year-old Mike going to watch this in the theater and coming out a changed man forever because for story, <laughs> not in a disturbing way, but storyline-wise, it changed me. Like his writing is fucking spectacular in this, and it came out me appreciating the storytelling aspect of movies so much more and made me love movies forever. This was one of the ones. It's so fucking well done. And I then got a VHS tape with that had Goodfellas and Pulp Fiction on it. And that's all I would do during my school time. After school would be put on both those movies. We watch them both over and over again. Fucking love this movie so much. I I love the book shit. I, I love all the book stuff. But I do love me some uh, Mia. Mia is fucking amazing in it. I think it's impressive too about Tarantino and his writing because like when you hear the man talk like no shot at him but like he's got so much like knowledge in his head that he stumbles through most of the stuff he always says yeah so but to be so tight not miss a beat in his dialogue is is just a craft like he's a, he's a craftsman like it's just and that's the whole thing like once upon a time in hollywood everybody thinks i give it a bad rap i give it three stars it's not my favorite movie i just think like it missed the mark for me of what it should have been at the, at this level of him like what and it's just that's me personally but his dialogue and everything has never like he's he's a he's a master in that yeah uh yeah uh so now we go over to uh let's go over to mike mike what is your first thing okay. i wanted to i realized i didn't want to go diagonally <laughs> left to right and i didn't want to just go to move, move us around then <laughs> no you <laughs> definitely not now. <laughs> so, Mike, okay. I know from what I'm told, I had seen this before, but I do not remember seeing it until I was four years old. Back to the Future. I fucking saw it on VHS. When that DeLorean disappears for that first time, that was it for me. It, I fucking love the movie so much it, 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 there was so much magic to it it's insane and i love like i'm named after fucking michael j fox for christ's sake so i've always loved michael j fox and him and doc brown together are fucking amazing in this it is just so spectacular the back and forth together and the stuff with marty and uh, crispin glover is fucking insane they are so good and of course the clock tower sequence one of the greatest fucking scenes of all time. I love it so much. It just brought the magic of cinema to me. And it has not only the Zemeckis, early Zemeckis feel to it, but it has the Spielberg feel throughout. And, that, and of course, that's another reason why I fucking love it as much as I do. It has that tone that mixes well. And to know that it took years for this movie to even get made, that no one wanted it, is fucking insane. Mike, 
It's not a clock tower. It's a courthouse. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, uh, I I'm I'm mad at myself that I didn't get to watch all three of these uh, when <laughs> you guys did them. But yeah, uh, this was this is a brilliant movie. This is. This is for me definitely like one of those formative movies that made me love movies uh, for me as well. I remember seeing this one like seven or eight, and I I love this one, uh, and it, it it has stayed a favorite of mine forever. There was a there was a brief period when I was like twelve or thirteen where I had Edgelord takes, and I thought two was better than one. Uh, I don't think that anymore, but I used to think that two was the best one. Uh, oh, Cody, you want to hear about <laughs> I found my old top 10 movies from when I was 14, and we can look at that later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Joseph, go ahead. Uh, this movie is a movie that I watched kind of, kind of late. I didn't watch it until 2015, Back to the Future year. And I had always been uh, eager to see it but it was also something that I was worried would be overhyped. And the first one at least was not at all. I also was really, I was, I was impressed by how much fun I was having with this movie. And also by just how exciting that final 30 minutes is. And also, uh, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, Hermione, you're great, but George gives the best punch in movie history. You know what? That's fair. That is completely fair. Uh, Cody? I mean, um, movies officially my three of all time. Um, just past Jaws. Um, overall, nothing against Jaws, but Back to the Future should have been three all, all along. Um, this movie is, I've said before, this is my, like, I'm feeling down movie. This is pretty much the movie I go to. Um, I was in trouble for school a lot for saying, take that, you mutate and son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, more than I could count. Uh, I couldn't realize why I couldn't say that in school. But uh, Marty McFly said it. Uh, or Marty McFly got yelled at it about it. Um, this movie just works so well in every aspect. There's one plot hole that I pointed out to Mike last time we watched it that drives me crazy now, but I'm trying to like erase it from my mind. Because I'll just say it here. When he when they're doing the stuff and it shows him like failing at the task, his brother disappears. He would be the first person to disappear. He's the youngest. It makes no sense that he's the oldest. Would be like you can't have the oldest and keep the youngest. That's not how it works. But overall, drove me crazy last time I watched it, and I hate that I watched it because I was watching it with like just at times because we were talking. Um, the, the humor, this movie gets a lot of credit for the sci-fi, but the humor in this movie does not get enough credit. I know some people that have watched it, like, recently, like, in the last, like, 10 plus years, they're like, ew, gross, like, the mom and the son thing. Like, yeah, situational comedy was the time at the time. Like, that's just what played, and I still think it's funny. Like, I still oh, yeah. to this day think it's funny. I love when they're sitting at dinner, and he's like, oh, yeah, I watched, I've seen this episode. How could you see this one before? Rerun. What's a rerun? <laughs> Don't worry about it. J who the hell? Uh, it's, oh, it's right past JFK. Who the hell? Who John F. Kennedy? Who the fuck? 
John F. Kennedy. Like it's just brilliant where they're able to go with the movie. I love the scene when Doc meets when Marty meets Doc in the Back to the Future. He's like, "Tell me who's the president? Ronald Reagan, the actor? Who's the president? Yeah. Gary Lewis? Like, there's I just such." Jane Wyman is the first lady. Secretary of Treasury. And like when he sits there in the pause, like comedy doesn't have the pause anymore. Like in it where he's like sitting there is like, you know what that means? This damn thing doesn't work at all. And like throws it. Brilliant comedy throughout. Like this movie is so much fun, and that clock tower strike when it first goes back is just I, the score can literally change my mood. The hearing that score can literally make me go from like Bowman should use it in arguments, like just play it. <laughs> Oh, I just, like I'm a happy I need, person. I need a little thing behind me that's like <laughs> press in case of emergency. And it just blasts the Alan Silvestri back to the future. It's just it's just brilliant. The movie's brilliant. It it is and I think it's the one movie from like years gone by that it should never be touched. Should never be touched. There should never be a remake to this. Because as much as I thought the Lion King should never be live action, which I stand by. This is one that just should never be. T- it's the mo- it's one of the most brilliant movies that has ever been made. And again, I, it's old news. If you haven't watched the uh, this is why we love movies like on Netflix about this movie, it makes it even better because who they had cast and what they were deciding on. It's a brilliant. It's the movie's brilliant. Uh, yeah. Um, I believe that's everyone for Back to the Future. So now we're gonna go to Joseph. Okay, so, Cody, please, please, please don't take this personally. You no, you can, you can talk about it. You can talk about it. There were a lot of movies in the animation genre that I watched as a kid. And many times they were movies that I would watch kind of like just as a kid had the mentality, oh, it's a movie. Great. Oh, that's another movie. Let's watch a movie. Oh, it's another Disney movie. But The Lion King gives me chills with the one scene in the rain at the end. This moment with the music, Hans Zimmer, the image of Simba going. It's a spoiler alert for The Lion King. If you haven't seen this one or the remake, but this moment, this moment made me go like, this is cinema. It's Hamlet, guys. It's Hamlet. It's Hamlet. The uncle dies. But that, yeah, that that single scene. There, there are some, there are some scenes. Like whole sequences that I might like more, but this moment is—it's it, it, a personal moment, personal favorite moment for me. <laughs> Kelly, I, 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 yeah, but yeah, Hans Zimmer will never top the score, but he will always have this score. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is. Spoiler alert, but this is a great movie. Uh, no, this is this is also a super uh, forward movie for me. 
I, I remember as well. I don't actually remember this, but my mom always tells the story uh, that, like, uh, when uh, my my dad would uh, do, have his confirmation group of like middle schoolers, I think uh, they would have to take me with because I was like two or three years old, and uh, they would all go up to me and say, "Caleb, say it," and I'd be like, "Mufasa," and apparently it was just like the funniest thing ever. Uh, but yeah, so I, I will always have a, a connection with the movie. Uh, but I think someone else has a bigger connection with this movie, which is why I will go to Mike and let Cody end it out. So Mike, yeah, all I'll say is that yeah, it's my favorite animated movie. I love this movie to death. It is so exceptional. But the only one man can actually really talk about this movie, man above. No, and the reason why I'm okay with Joseph bringing it up is because Joseph, it saves me a pick, basically. But overall, <laughs> I've talked about this movie and that I think this is not only like, it's not my second favorite. I think The Departed is grounded just because I'm of age and me getting up there and I'd rather people see people die. Um, maybe, yeah. if, maybe, maybe if uh, Scar got eaten alive, it'd be better. Like, I get to see it. Um, but overall, like, I don't Shadows think like I've, Clayton's death. Yeah, I don't think I've had more of a visceral like anger in my body than seeing the remake from this because they do so much. They realize how brilliant the movie is that they have to do a shot for shot, but then change stuff just to change stuff. I think this is one of those movies that is brilliant. I, I think this movie is it um, goes above animation. I think it goes above a lot. I think what this movie's able to do in such a limited runtime to make you care for a character. Um, I think this is Hans Zimmer's best score, and it's not even close. It's the most the music. The music. It's like this is like. <laughs> Looking at my life now, 31 years ago, it makes perfect sense why this movie like hits on so many levels for me. I mean, the music's done by Elton John. Uh, it like has Hans Zimmer score. It's like it's got like a, a redemption, a rise and a fall, and a rise back up. Uh, he said the Pride Rock thing, and that is literally one of the like the coolest moments for me is that walk back up Pride Rock. Um, and him taking the throne, but like the little things like Jeremy Irons voice and him blowing out his voice, singing, be prepared. And like the, like when they have that square down before the fight breaks out on pride rock. And he's like, tell him, tell him that you killed Mufasa. Like he thinks to this day, he still is responsible for his own death of his death for doing something he shouldn't have been doing. Um, yeah, the music, um, I said that, uh, it's just, it's just, it's brilliant. It made me weep as a child. It still can bring a tear to my eye now. My my wife sends inappropriate like uh, death of Mufasa gifts way too often to my phone, which is the rudest thing possible. Um, lucky I'm still married. But that scene and the stampede, what they're able to do in 94 makes some movies now look garbage. The hand-drawn wildebeest down, like run through, basically makes that thing look brilliant where it is. And Scar, long live the king and the fall, is one of the most traumatic moments of my childhood. My grandma, to 
is still pissed to this day that she never got to see Santa Claus. The Tim Allen in theaters with the rest of the family because I threw a shit fit in the middle of the theater because I wanted to go see Lion King for like the 12th time. And she's like, if I have to see that damn baboon one more time, I swear I'm going to lose it. Guess what we did? We saw it. We saw it. And it was great. And it, it changed movies forever for me. So It's better than the Santa Claus. So, you know. 1984 garbage. God. Well, did that come out on Christmas? That's one of the worst gifts Santa ever brought. <laughs> During the interrogation scene, uh, they had to do takes because Tim Allen kept giving him the name of the scope. <laughs> Still one of the greatest Thomas Scully jokes of all time. Oh, and the thing is, have you never heard the comedian special about him talking about Lion King? They're like, it's just ha- it's just Shakespeare. Get it? It's Shakespeare with fur, and it's fucking better because they don't have broken <laughs> English. And he goes on this huge rant about it. It's fantastic. It's one of the best. That's fair. Uh, well, now we're over to me, and I'm also uh, going with a film that um, uh, is a Disney animated film, but I. I'm going with Beauty and the Beast. Uh, I've talked about this before, but this movie was actually my parents' first date. Their first date was seeing Beauty and the Beast in theaters. Uh, so, uh, I'm I'm, what? I'm old. Usually, the, the, the first date was the, and I was born at this point. Was, uh, <laughs> gross. Uh, but yeah, uh, my parents' first date was to Beauty and the Beast in theaters, and uh, yeah, uh, this is this is a, a great movie. Uh, I I had the clamshell VHS, and I would watch that all the time. Uh, and, and yeah, I I remember like I would I would just go bonjour like all the time. Uh, just. <laughs> I'm a, weird, I'm a weird adult. So. <laughs> I just start going, bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. I can, have you always lived in Iowa? Yeah. I can just see you walking through and saying bonjour and some redneck really like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> your child cussing at me? <laughs> what did your child call me? <laughs> no, no, this is this is the I, I love this movie. This is my favorite Disney Renaissance movie person. <laughs> it's my favorite, it's like my favorite 20th century Disney animated film. I love it. Uh, Joseph, thoughts on Beauty and the Beast? Sorry, I'm trying to adjust myself. Uh, this movie and The Lion King were the two Disney 90s movies that I watched the most as a kid, which shocks me because it's the Disney princesses movies. And uh, they, Snow White and Cinderella were, as a kid, they were like, uh, yeah, no, thank you. Not really interested. For some reason, this movie just clicked with me. 
it has some of the best songs and musical sequences made in any Disney movie from from my recollection. And it goes by so fast. There's nothing that drags for me. Absolutely not. I love the characters. I love the villain Gaston and LeFou. And the chaos battle that happens in, near the end is always so, so fun to watch as well. I really love this movie as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cody? Yeah, um, this one, uh, I mean, what a what a run Disney had in the 90s, and it was great. Just, like, it's, the, everybody, I said there's three movies that are acceptable to be, like, your top favorite. I have expanded that a little bit, but it was always Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, or Lion King. I think those are the, the, the top three. Now I think there's some from the 2000s that play a little harder than I did at the time. Like, I think Lulu and Stitch is in that conversation. Um, but um, overall... Beauty and the Beast does something that's just brilliant. Again, I think it gets a little bit praise heavy because of the Best Picture nom. I think that's the same like Toy Story three praise. Like, I don't think it's bad for it. I just think like that's like that's like the trump card people use. What's well, the best one because it's the only one? I clearly think Lion King could have been nominated for Best Picture too. Like, if we're being real, I love the music in this. Um, uh, again, I think that's something that a lot of these Disney movies miss now. I think, uh, wasn't Canto, uh, Disney? Yeah. I think, I think that was a clean back to it. I think that means like there's been some that have been, but it's not like the Disney, like magic of the, those, those soundtracks back then. I think they were just fire. And I think this is one that has, hits every note. I think the beast is really good. Like, just it's this is the most frightening one for me as a child. Like, it was it was scary. Like when the West Wing, like him grabbing the wolves. Like, there's some horror elements through this that freak me out. Um, But overall, I think this has got like the best side characters of any Disney movie. Like, I think these side characters, I think Cogsworth and Lumiere are fire. Like. You definitely get the hint of Timon and Pumbaa later, but I think these two, like overall, do a fantastic job throughout it. Um, makes sense why this is a movie that made you love, like, absolutely no question. Uh, Mike, yeah, this is actually one of my first theater experiences that I actually remember, and yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of it in the theater. It's one that I haven't rewatched as much as other Disney movies, but I still enjoy it. I still think it's really sweet, and the romance between Bella and the Beast is fucking great. One of the best title songs of all time. Angela Lansbury's version of Beauty and the Beast is fantastic. Also, question. So, there are four of us. So, we clearly all don't get equal picks. Are we letting those two have the bottom, like the Two extra spots. I hadn't decided. I was going to remove myself from it and basically whichever yeah. two wanted. Yeah, it. I, I I was going to remove myself, so my last pick will be the last, and then Mike and Joseph can get two. Mike and Joseph, do you want the third pick? I sure. have an extra pick. Yeah. Okay, we will let you two have the the third pick. Uh, but yeah, so now we will go back to Cody for your last pick. Um. 
So I, 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 I've went a little bit different on this one. This is not just because Mike's here, because it could be just because Mike's here. Um, no, I'm not taking the one. I'm yeah, no, no. never. <laughs> no, I knew you wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, we would have <laughs> talked about that beforehand. Uh, we would have had a cat fight. Uh, this is the one where I think changed for me. Um, I think this is an interesting take because when I first watched it, I didn't love it. I didn't have the appreciation for it uh, when I watched it. And then on rewatch, um, it blew my mind. Uh, I was the wrong age when I watched it. It was praised too high. It's on Boatman's wall. Um, no, it's not Steve Jobs. It's the Godfather. Um, wouldn't that be a twist? Me picking Steve Jobs. Um, <laughs> what a movie in the 2015. Didn't start love until 2015. Um, it's The Godfather. Um, and again, I, I think this is one that I, I think, I think one, you have to be the right age to watch The Godfather. Um, I watched a lot of uh, MTV Cribs um, growing up. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, The Godfather posters, Fat and Scarface, are in a lot of rappers' houses. A lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's in a lot of rappers' it's, house in Chris. It's Godfather and Scarface. And Jim Green once put it. Godfather and Scarface. Saying you love the Godfather and Scarface is like saying your two favorite foods are steak and Skittles. <laughs> oh. But it was a lot in the in Cribs. They had a posters, and when I was young, about ten years old, I said, "Damn, I need to see this movie." So I click on The Godfather, and if anybody's watched The Godfather, that first scene is a wedding scene. And it's the... And you're like, what the fuck am I watching? This has nothing. That Why is this in Rapper's house? Why are we talking about this movie? So I was very bored with it. I, was not, I did not appreciate it. I didn't enjoy it for where it was. It changed everything on a rewatch. I was older... I was removed from it. I understood movies a little bit better at the time. And it changed. It shaped everything. Like, my my genre is crime. Like, I, it, it has changed everything that I look for in movies. If it's a crime movie, you have me there. And then we'll see where it plays out. There's good and bad crime. But Godfather was a movie that just changed the genre and what I look for in movies. I think the acting, where they're able to, like, develop the story... If you're watching, if you, I, this is one of those movies, if I could go back in time and watch it for the first time again, it would be this movie. There's very few that I would do that. Uh, <laughs> um, back to the Future, uh, Jaws, Godfather, like the big movies. I would wish I could just relive that shock and like feeling that, oh my God, again. Because the Godfather does that to me now. Like, And there's moments I'm like, oh, the bathroom scene when he comes out. If I could see that movie, not see that coming for the first time, blown away. The car explode, the toll booth scene. There's so many in this movie that I, if I could see it, the gun down in the street, the horse in the bed, it gets so much praise, but it deserves so like so much. And I know it's not for everybody. It's a long movie. It doesn't have like, and especially if you're a weirdo and we're young and watched uh, Goodfellas at way too young of an age, it will never come close to Goodfellas. But this, it's it's just the movie. It's it it can never. It's it's what changed everything for me. 
I'm completely fair. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that this is a masterpiece. Like, for lack of a better word, this is a masterpiece. I remember when I watched it for the first time, and I rarely do this. I think within, like, two days of watching it, I watched it again. Like, I was just so enamored by it that I needed to see it again. Uh, I, I, I'll admit, like, I don't have... I think it's a brilliant movie. I don't have the love for part two that I do for part one. I think one is just such a masterwork uh, and has just some of the most brilliant sequences of all time. Like, I, I, we were jo I was joking about it, and, like, you can argue, like, sure, the Sicily sequence is maybe the weakest part of the movie, but even then, I still think it's really good, and it's kind of a nice to let Michael kind of relax. Uh, I I love I love everything with Mo Green. Mo Green is like so much fun. Then yeah, this, this movie's great. Uh, Mike. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> Cody was correct with this type of movie. If I I saw Goodfellas way too early, and I saw it before I saw The Godfather, and that kind of affected my experience with The Godfather. Now. What I will say is that we watching it over the years, it has only gotten better, and I appreciate it a lot more than I did, especially the last rewatch I did with Cody and Kirk really helped me surmount to that, and I'm going to be giving another rewatch soon. But, yes, I do think this is a really good fucking movie. I think everything they've said matches perfectly. Like, the scenes are amazing. The dialogue is incredible. Marlon Brando is insane. And James Kahn fucking kills it in this movie. I love James Kahn in this so much. But yeah, it is a great fucking pick for this. That is completely fair. Joseph? Yeah, there's not much I can add to that, but I think this movie absolutely lives up to the hype. And it's kind of cool for me to think of uh, whenever I talk with some people, some people that I... Uh, who tell me that they've never seen The Godfather. I'm like, okay, I hope you can make it... I, I hope you can at least see the appreciation for what it's doing. Because there's a lot of payoff in the second half of the of, of the movie. There, are, uh, um, I, And I totally understand what Cody was saying about being too young or the wedding sequence being kind of slow and long. But the payoff that comes from that movie is just incredible. It gets uh, bet the movie gets better as it goes along, or at least in my opinion, for me, the uh, some of my the, my favorite parts of the movie are at the end, and that is most effective because of how the movie builds up to that conclusion. That final montage is one of the best scenes that I've ever seen ever, and it's incredible what that metaphor what that means from a metaphorical standpoint from the beginning to the end. So yeah. I'm I'm glad I waited until I was an adult. I, uh, fun fact: I hadn't seen this until I joined this community, so that's how kind of late I was at. But it, it lives up to it. It's. I will say the wedding scene went from like a slog. Now that I love, I enjoy that so much now. Like that's how time changes people. Like I think like it. I it went from like oh to now. I love it, especially when that grandpa gets up there and you know he's singing about some dirty shit and he's just over there just getting in and everybody's like, what the fuck, grandpa? It's great. It's a great scene. 
For me, that's the case with 2001: A Space Odyssey. The first part with the apes <laughs> is the slowest part. Was the slowest part when I first saw it. But rewatching it, uh, I've rewatched it a few times already. You that's actually me. one of my favorite parts now. I love you that movie. Me. Maybe just as much, if not a little bit more. That's a good nap movie. <laughs> right. What's your first pick? Okay, so um, not your first pick, but you yeah. Uh, yeah, so five-year-old Mike walks into the theater, and he walks out knowing that movies are a part of me forever. And I've been chasing that high ever since, seeking out every movie that I can to try to get that same feeling back. And I still have not matched it, but I still am open to finding that. It is Jurassic Park. I walked into that, and movies were a part of my life forever. Like, everything about it, especially the one just moment. Journey to the Island is playing, and it just fucking pans up to that Brachiosaurus. Nothing matched that feeling to me. That, it just fucking, uh, it 100% changed me. For, and I wanted to see it right after it ended. I wanted to see it right again. We ended up seeing it like five or six times in the theater during that run, during that original run. And I've seen it as much as I can throughout the years, especially in theater. Anytime it comes back in the theater, I always try to give it another watch. But everything about it is just incredible. The story, the fucking CGI mixed with practical effects still holds up today, still kicks a shit out of most CGI work today. And the T-Rex breakout scene is incredible. The death the death of Gennaro is fucking, not only is it great, but it's hilarious at the same time. I crack up every time that shit happens. Um, Ian Malcolm coming in with the jokes every time he can is great. Life finds a way. One of the greatest fucking monologues he could do in that sequence. BD, the small role of B.D. Wong, growing up knowing him through Oz and seeing him in that small role, coming back to see him in that small role is fucking great. And I'm so glad that he got the chance to shine later on. But yeah, everything about that, I absolutely love. It has never, nothing has ever topped that feeling for me. And I don't, at this point, I don't know if anything ever will. But I will still seek out more shit to find out. Great fucking movie. Mike's always looking for that Jurassic Park. Oh, that, this is a movie that the first time I watched it, I was not big on. I was not big on it the first time I watched it. It has grown on me in subsequent watches. Um, I, I I think just I've, I've appreciated the characters more. Because that's the thing. For me, the monster is never what brings me to the movie. Right, I, I just yeah. watched it on today, and it's it's fine. It's not. I get why people like Kirk like love it. Doesn't hit those highs for me, but like the monster is never going to be. You got to give me character, and I think that at first I wasn't as big on the characters, but now like I I'll, particularly Ian Malcolm is just a top tier character. And even at the time, I loved Ian. Uh, but yeah, this is this is a a great movie, and I. I, I knew that this is like your jam, as it should be. Uh, Joseph? Yeah, I really like this movie. I saw this, I think, uh, well, the first time I saw this was quite an experience. I had never, so I like to think of myself as someone who can control my emotions pretty well. I don't, uh, as I was growing older, I was like, I don't scare easily. I, I don't, uh, I'm careful with how I react to things because I don't, 
well, basically, I thought that I would uh, brave the arm scene, but I couldn't. I uh, that that's maybe the only time I've audibly gone, "Oh God, whoa!" Like when I see the arm scene. The, the, you know what you know what scene I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, that oh, scene. Yeah. It's still effective. It's still great. <laughs> uh, I'm still uh, so. Uh, a little backstory for me with this movie. I showed this to a couple of friends of mine who uh, one night and uh, I was a little sad that they thought it was not really great. Uh, that arm scene in particular, I heard, I, I, I was satisfied that one of, that I also heard her go <gasps> make an audible gasp at it. But afterwards, after whole, the t whole terrifying dinosaurs thing, they were like, this was terrible, and it's kind of made me sad. But uh, yeah, I, I I still enjoy it though. Yes. Okay. Uh, Cody. Um, two things from what Joseph said. One, your friends in this community anytime soon. Uh, two, um, if Mike did not know the arm scene, then you're not talking about Jurassic Park. Yeah, I'm not know. Um. I on the record of this one, I've told Mike this numerous times. If I could have sat in the theater and watched the entrance, like the go when he when when he sees the dinosaur for the first time and takes off his glasses and looks up and like the the feeling and you see that dinosaur for the first time, I would I would I would give anything at this point to go see that. I think that is one of the most brilliant. Um, Mike knows how I feel about this. I think the movie's great. I think the movie's brilliant. I think it's absolutely. The kid should have died. The kid should have died right away. I hate those children. I hate them in this movie. They cause every bad thing to happen and basically proves that Grant can't have any children at the end because he can't. He doesn't want to do that to himself. Like, absolutely not. These kids are fucking terrible. The only kid to ever live from 10,000 volts right to his thing and just move. Don't shine the light. Hey, dinosaur, what's up? Like, it's just crazy <laughs> to me. But I have a blast watching it overall. Like, overall, Ian Malcolm, I hate that man I all the time. Uh, it's, it's, it is it's not a perfect movie for me, but it's 100% a perfect movie for Mike. And watching it with Mike... I think me and Mike like have an hour tradition on New Year's as we're just oh, gonna have to call and do it. <laughs> but like that's just it. Back to the Future, uh, Jurassic Park, and um, something else, whatever it could be. But it's brilliant. It's a brilliant time. That's fair. Uh, well, that's everyone for Jurassic Park. Joseph, back over to you. So I'm a little torn on this next one, um, but uh, so here's where I'm gonna here's where I'm coming from. Basically, I saw this when I was a teen for the first time, and I'm not saying that it took me this long to fall in love with movies, but particularly for movies from this era, because growing up, I watched a lot of animated movies and family movies, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. And then black and white movies would be like, that's old. And uh, I, I, I wouldn't really be very interested in watching them. Um, there are three movies, technically, three movies that really helped me. They, they wowed me enough 
as a younger watcher that they made me more open to watch more classic era films. So for that reason, I'm going to go with It's a Wonderful Life first. Because this movie, I think, is such an inspirational message. It gives such an inspirational message about how people have an effect and impact on so many people in their lives and that people are just there for them. And that ending is so emotional. It, 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 it really overwhelmed me. It's With this kind of message and this kind of heartfelt tone with the, the movie, it's easy to see it's uh, it, how powerful it is. You know that this movie has power when it turns a Grinch like Cody into liking it after having gone previously from hating it to liking it. So that seeing that happen was like, yes, he finally sees it. He finally sees the light. Uh, I'm still very upset that this movie did so poorly at the box office. Like this was a box office bomb. The cynics, I blame the cynics for not going to see this movie. They should have helped this movie make more money at the box office. Shame on them. Uh, but in the, in the, yeah, this movie. I, I love this movie. This movie helped me fall in love with the classic era of film. That's uh, completely fair. Uh, this is this is a beautiful movie. I stand by. This is like one of the most like joyous endings ever. Uh, just like the last ten minutes of this movie are just pure joy. Uh, yeah, I think that. This, for me, this was absolutely a super formative movie. I, I want to say, like, I remember how old I was when I saw it, but this was, I, this was probably the first black and white movie I remember, like, loving. Uh, and it, it, it really felt. Uh, Mike, I'll go to you. That's an yeah. life. This movie is incredible. I love the movies that have the message of you, of, of making sure that you appreciate life. And what you have, and I think this is a perfect interpretation of that, of appreciating, of needing to appreciate what you have and what you bring to other people. And it's told beautifully. The ending, like Joseph said, is fucking incredible. I love the ending of this movie so much. And the journey to that holds up very well. I watch it every single holiday, every single Christmas holiday. I will put it on and watch it and enjoy it every single time. Great shit. That's right. Uh, Cody, go ahead. Joseph, have you ever seen this in color? <laughs> it goes up. Okay, anyway. I have, actually. It's great, isn't it? Thank you. Um, Mike, I just want to touch on something real quick. You said, like, you know, where you, where you come from, be happy with what you have, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So this is like the second movie that in Christmas that I watched that makes me feel that way. This is a, definitely a great one. It's my number, I think my number two. Christmas Vacation is one that also shows you to be appreciative of where you come from and where you got. So, uh, holy hell. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, no, this is a movie, and uh, I don't thank Boatman a lot in life. Um, basically, I think meeting Boatman kind of changed my perspective on movies because I gave classics more of a shot than what I would have if I never met Boatman. Um, and overall, this is one of those movies that I get. Um, we all have those people in our lives that don't understand film. 
but think they understand movies, like like movies. But you know, their favorite movie is like I don't know, like they Favorite. will tell you like yeah, shut up, you bitch. Um, but they'll say like your they'll say like their favorite movie is like Edge of Tomorrow that just came out and stuff. You're like, oh, okay, cool, interesting, whatever. Or they don't if, like your brother won't stop saying that Top Gun Maverick is the greatest movie. <laughs> Correct, right, 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 right. If that doesn't win Oscars, I'll lose it. You know, stuff like that. So I had family tell me that It's a Wonderful Life is like the greatest Christmas movie of all time, and their opinions are garbage, absolute garbage. And we all watched it as a family. I've said this experience, and I had a terrible time. A terrible time watching it with a group of people because people are talking, people are doing, you know, asking questions. It's a miserable time. On a rewatch, after watching a lot of classics, after watching more Jimmy Stewart movies and like Cary Grant movies, I found the appreciation. I found the love for this movie, and I understand what this movie is. Like this, um, this is this is Christmas in a in a box. Like this is something that you need to watch during Christmas. It makes you feel the spirit of the holiday. It makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside. It's it's like the when I think of one of the perfect Christmas movies, I want to laugh my ass off uncontrollably, or I want to feel something. Those are my two Christmas like go tos. Christmas vacation is one. This is the heart and soul of Christmas, and I think it stands. The, it it it. If it didn't find its love in forty, you know, forty six, it's found its love now. There's a ton of people that appreciate this one. So, no, I completely understand where this could, and it's some. I, I hate movies like this, and this is no shot at it, but I can't watch this in April. I can't watch this in like July. So I can watch like The Godfather whenever. I have to watch this at Christmas. I mean, you can watch it, but it loses a lot of the thing, and you just feel sad because you're not at Christmas time. Overall, you know, I'm not drinking cocoa and getting presents. You know, bullshit. <laughs> no, that's that's valid. It's also great yeah. to watch in January. No, I think I, I think January is kind of like, hey, the cold months. I think you're fair. But overall, if you a Christmas movie, you can you can still watch it in January. I would even say like yeah. November, like starting November, yeah. you can watch this movie, like November to December <laughs> or to January, even February. I'll do. Anyway, uh, was that everyone for It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, nice. now we're over to me, and I won't talk too long about this one because a I've talked it to death, and b I think everyone knows that this is the movie I credit for making me love movies. It's Inception. Uh, this is this is the one. This is the movie that made me care about movies as an art form. Like, I liked movies before. I liked movies. This is the movie that made me obsessed with movies. Without this movie, I don't start caring about directors. I don't start really learning who Christopher Nolan is. And by that, like, learning, like, looking up, Things about like Christopher Nolan and his movies on YouTube. Without that, I don't discover screen junkies and I don't discover all the movie communities that's surrounding it. And I don't discover that one thing that we don't talk about that ended recently. And without that, I don't discover here. And I'm not talking to you all right now. Uh, so I, I credit this movie with a lot. I love this movie. Uh, I think it's just, it was just, it was exactly what I needed at the time. It was so like, 
so complex and intellectual, but still had, you know, was still accessible. And I think that is so, that is very tough to do, I think, and especially in a blockbuster. And I, I will always have a major attachment to this movie. I love it. Uh, Joseph. You're muted. Yes, sorry. Yes, this movie is still my favorite Nolan movie. Uh, it, it, it might be, I might be a little biased, just a little bit, because it was also the first Nolan movie that I watched. And uh, I still really enjoy it. There's times where it, it, well, it's, I still find, even after multiple watches, I still find it very thought provoking about how, what what's going on in the, it, 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 it's fun to me to try to make sense of the whole logistics of all the dream worlds and the inception procedure and all and yeah i uh, great pick i, I don't know i don't know i don't know what my, what else i can say that hasn't been said yet fair enough mike yeah this is a movie that i really truly believe that it's ha- the trailer matches the movie it matches perfectly what you're gonna get you know what you're gonna the style of movie you're gonna get with that first trailer that came out and it matches that movie perfectly. It is such a fun movie. It's like Bowman said, it is very intellectual, but it does it in such an open way that people that don't get something out of it the first time will come back for more and want to come back for more. And the stuff towards the end is fucking incredible, especially Leo going as dark as he does get with it. It is a fucking great movie. And that poster behind your Bowman, I've already told you that. I think that's a badass poster that you still need to put up. Cody got me that poster. And I want I would hang it up, but I need it to be visible. Yeah. Uh, no. I, uh, <laughs> on a wall over there. Because uh, I like having it on camera. Yeah. Uh, and if I hung it up, it would be like here or there. <laughs> and you wouldn't be able to see it. And I think it's a dope poster. But yeah, Cody? Uh, yeah, Inception is a movie that I haven't seen as many times as um, I would like to at this point. Um, I saw this in college. It was very popular at the time I went to college. Um, I had a friend um, that swore up and down watched it, but we watched it with like a group of like 10 people. And everyone was talking. And I'm not the most, you know, learned doctor in the room. I need some context clues to find my way through. This movie's confusing. If you're a first time watching, a lot of shit's going on. And I have no idea what's going on. So the first, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I swore I'd never watch it again. I got into this community. I was wrong. This movie's brilliant. This movie is exactly what, like, big blockbusters need to be. Um, like, and a world that he's able to create. Um, I think the concept of this movie is brilliant. The dream inside the dream. And I think that's just all like fantastic. Um, the scenes I love, like when he's walking with, um, um, I can't think. And, uh, they're changing like everything basically back and forth. Like, I think it's like, it just, it works brilliant. I think like, um, the heist elements in this movie just works the score. And when I saw it on the big screen, everything changed, everything changed. It went into my top 20. The reason why I haven't watched it in a little bit is because I'm giving it some time to breathe. 
because I watched it a lot when I first saw it because I thought it was brilliant. I'm gonna let it breathe a little bit and see where I'm at. But overall, it's 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 a movie that is just excellent, and it makes sense why you love movies. I thought. I was going to bring this up, but then I was like, oh my god, why? Bowman will be the one to bring it up, so we'll let Bowman take it, so it makes sense. That's fair. Uh, well, I, I believe that was everyone for Inception. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, now, uh, Mike, we'll go back over to you. Your last pick. Okay, so for my last pick, we all have movies that we love on different jo- in different genres, shit like that. For the majority of us, we all have that one genre, though, that we love more than others. So I wanted to go a different route with this. I wanted to go the route of talking about why I love horror as much as I do. And it's from a movie that I saw for the first time between, like, four and six years old. A lot of fucking movies I saw when I was between this age. It happens, you know. (laughs) But it was John Carpenter's 1978's Halloween. It fucking changed the horror genre for me forever. Like, Michael Myers became my fucking man. That, uh, like, the whole just concept of him going, Lloyd just showed up to my old house, so I'm going to go kill her and her fucking friends because fuck them. Like, that's the only reason he had. He had no other fucking motive for it. He just went, I saw her first, fuck it, I'm going to kill them first. It's just so incredible. The cinematography in this movie is insane especially that lead up to the house as a small child walking into the house that does that very long take it's fucking perfect and every kill is so awesome they're all different they he chokes some of them he just stabs them up against the wall and then donald pleasance just comes in and rules the shit out of this movie his speech about michael myers is incredible and i just love that Michael Myers becomes his white whale. He becomes the thing that he just wants to fucking stop no matter what. And it it goes throughout the sequels with that even further, which gets more insane as the movies go along. But this movie, he is on the top of his fucking game. Everybody is. Jamie Lee Curtis is fucking incredible in this movie. And like John Carpenter just showed up and just went, I'm here, bitch. Welcome. It's amazing. It changed my life. For horror movies forever i've been seeking out horror movies ever since and yeah this is why i love the horror genre and this is why michael myers has always been my guy that is completely valid uh yeah no i i feel like people think i don't like this movie i do really like this movie um i i like my movies to be a little bit more character focused personally but i think as an exercise in tension and horror this movie is so brilliant and this movie is so much smarter than so many other slasher movies. Like, it's, it is so, from a technical and directing level, it is so brilliant. Because it's, it's Hitchcock. It's Hitchcock. Oh. Like, it is absolutely 100% going for the Hitchcockian uh, methods of tension. And just from a technical level, I think that this movie is, is so brilliantly done. And Donald Pleasance is the thing that elevates Every movie that he is in of those Halloween movies, he's such like a, a talented actor. Same with like Tobin Bell and the Saw movies. I think both yeah. those are just very gifted actors that they know to just let do their thing. Uh, Joseph, yeah. So slashers aren't really my thing. I uh, 
yeah, I, I just don't enjoy them very much. But this movie, I do appreciate more aspects of it. It was easier for me to get into this movie because of how it builds the suspense and the atmosphere about it. So that was cool. Uh, I personally prefer... This is going to sound weird, but the colors of Suspiria, the 70s version, make me kind of like that movie more than this one. But in terms of how this movie reinvents the horror genre for the slashers with this and Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, the horror icon saying, I can see why it gets why i can see why it gets the praise of it because it it's actually carpenter putting in the effort to create that tension instead of all just mindless deaths and shock value and things which ironically suspiria does have but i love the colors and score in that movie uh what's the name of the guy who's the guy with glasses who's uh lifted up and stabbed oh uh paul paul that's probably my favorite uh that's probably the creepiest scene for me in that in the movie. That's completely valid, Cody. Um, I'm on the record, uh, so I'm I've updated. I saw I saw I think I saw Mike do it, so I did it too. I updated my favorites up at the top to like to the season, um, basically of horror. Uh, I think I'm gonna do that every time because I'm, I'm like it's kind of boring just having the same ones all the time. Um, but. Um, yeah, John, I don't like horror. Um, but I, I say that, but I don't like I don't like middle of the road horror or bad horror. I like like excellent horror, if we're being honest. Like John Carpenter's the thing not John Carpenter's thing, but John Carpenter's uh um Halloween is one of those that does absolutely does everything for me. Um, I've wanted to watch the double feature of this in 2018 because I think that's also a brilliant movie. Um, what they're able to accomplish and what they're able to do in this movie, I think is just next level. Um, I, the score, when I think of like film scores, it's in my top like 20 when I hear it, the, the theme, I kind of hate, and this is no shot on Tim. I love Tim. I kind of hate that it's in fandom. Because it's in the movie that doesn't get like the appreciation it deserves anymore, because people have to know questions from it instead of just in the little nut like of how brilliant the movie overall is. Um, but this is just brilliant where it comes. I love like the where they're able to build the tension and the fear throughout this movie is so good. The the car drives and the brakes slam, you don't know what's happening. And then the the initial jump scares of like opening the door and the cat jumps out and it's not like him but she looks out the window and he's just standing there and he had, there's no rhyme or reason and he's just there like it's just it's, it's brilliant i think it's builds a perfect suspense it doesn't overstay its welcome it makes you scared shitless for lori and it and donald plus <laughs> it's just fantastic and he gets crazier and crazier as the movies go on so, <laughs> yeah. yells at a mute kid at one point <laughs> valid <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, Joseph, over to you for your last pick, I believe. Okay. Uh, going back to touch on a specific kind of movie that this movie helped me fall in love with. Again, this is a movie that I saw. This is a movie that I saw for the first time in college. So I saw this later. And I don't want to say that this movie helped me fall in love with movies because when I, when I was college no the point i want to make is that this movie helped me so when i was a kid i had a certain expectation for movies 
to have happy endings. And whenever a movie was depressing, I was depressed. And I didn't like a movie for that. And there were movies that have uh, depressing endings that made me go like, well, I see what they are doing there because of the message. And, and that's something that also my parents tried to teach me that not all movies have to end happily. Not Some movies end depressingly because of the message, the point. But there wasn't one that really, really hit me as hard with a depressing ending until I saw Paths of Glory for our, for the for when I until I saw Paths of Glory in college. This movie is very it's the most anti-war, I mean anti-war film can get because it does not glorify anything about the war. It shows you the tragedy of injustices that people commit because they have the power to do so. And you see the morale of the soldiers break down with it. And that just gets me like it, the, of course the movie and would, if the movie had, it had the movie ended on the bleakest, most depressing notes, it still would have been a, an effective, ter- an effective, terribly sad anti-war movie. But the choice that Kubrick does in including that final final slimmer of hope for that movie just overwhelms me as well it's a message that it's a movie that is depressing but there's still hope for people and that's the kind of movie that's really it's still one of my top five favorite movies of all time for that ending it's my favorite scene of all time, the sequence of that end of this movie for how there can be so much terrible things in the world. It's a depressing place to be in, but there's still humanity in it left in us. And that's a movie that helped me find a new way to love movies in ways that I did not expect. Uh, yeah, this is a uh, really beautiful movie. I've only seen it the one time, and I watched it uh, because of you, I believe, Joseph, uh, when you added that the Full Metal list uh, way back when. And this is one of those ones I'm glad you did, because this is a brilliant film. Uh, the, there's There's a sense of... I don't want to say doom, but just kind of moving towards tragedy to it that I, I think is really brilliant. I, I love Kubrick's more intimate films. I think there's something about his earlier stuff where he's just a little less focused on the technicals, that he just, things felt a little more human. And I just, I, I really like what he's doing here. Um, yeah, I, I think this is a brilliant picture. Uh, Mike? Yeah, I actually really enjoy this movie. It's uh, I've seen it now t- twice, and it, it got better on WeWatch, so I definitely want to give it another shot in like a year or two and see where it goes from there because there's something with, like, this is right now probably middle Kubrick for me, but that also, that doesn't say anything about the movie. Just Kubrick's filmography is fucking incredible. But this movie gives so much, like both of you brought up dread and like kind of 
depressed feelings while watching it because of what's going on. And it's done so well that I like to go, I enjoy going back to it to just experience that world that he's created during wartime because wartime is not supposed to be fun. And I think this movie perfectly brings that together. That's fair. Uh, Cody? You ever seen the producer? Springtime for Hitler seemed like a ball and a half. Anyways, on that note, uh, and they were at war. Um, so this is one of those movies. There's few movies. And I wouldn't say few, but there are perfect movies that are perfect but don't like get so much rewatchability from me. Um, I don't know how many times I need to see Path and Glory overall. Um, it's brilliant. But it's not a movie I want to go back to. It's like a movie like I could see five years from now and still have the appreciation for it because I think Overwatch of a movie could really hurt like this of a classic. And I think when the first time I saw it, I said, I have zero complaint. This was great, excellent, brilliant. But like didn't climb through. And I, that's, I think that's just me as a film, a movie fan. Like... You're going to get me with, like, rousing performances and speeches and, like, back and forth. Or This is just overall, like, a perfect movie that's amazing that it's made in the time it was made. But just doesn't go, like, to the next level for me overall. But, again, it's been a little bit since a rewatch. I think maybe a rewatch could change that, too. I think that's the beautiful thing about film. Time changes everything. Like, you had told me that The Departed is going to be my number one movie. I just said, ha, nope. And I totally get that. It's also a movie that I watch like every once in a while, but I but I like to see it. I like to go back to it because yeah. it's like for me, it's a human test to see if I can still feel things than it does for me. And yeah. it's short. Like you don't need to see. It it's is. not something like Very. it's not it's not something like Schindler's List, which is three hours. If you rewatch that every once in whoa, a while, well, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. This movie under ninety minutes. Yeah, that, that, he has a fuse. Like, we don't need to light it. We don't need to light it. We don't talk about Spielberg in any negative light, even if that wasn't negative. We don't. We don't talk in, about Spielberg. Nineteen forty-one. Oh wait, we're not doing that. We're not doing. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. Even in neutral terms, it has to be Correct. positive or nothing. We yeah. can't even say Spielberg is a director. It would rot. Spielberg it would ruin his chocolate milk direct. or Taco Bell later. If you talk about Spielberg, his his quesadilla that he's going to get from Taco Bell later will not taste the same. It will taste awful. He'll be Kingdom pissed. of the Crystal Skull, not a terrible movie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We you definitely don't bring that up. We don't, we don't bring that up. We don't. We don't talk about we don't talk about the fridge. We don't talk about the fridge. We don't talk about the mon- the swinging. We don't talk we don't about, talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Kingdom of the Crystal. <laughs> anyway. That brings us, uh, that that wraps up our movies uh, that made us love movies. For recap, Pulp Fiction, Back to the Future, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, The Godfather, Jurassic. A lot of 90s. Yeah, a lot of 90s. It's a Wonderful Life, Inception, Halloween, Paths of Glory. Ah, but before we go, we do have the movie of the month. Full disclosure, I didn't get a chance to rewatch this because I've been gone, so... Uh, yeah, I I will. I mean, I've seen it. This you have year. more times. You'll have more times. <laughs> I'll have more times. I I have seen it this year. I like, could talk about it, but I want a fresh rewatch. You can give it a rating. 
I don't want to, though. Don't tell me what to do. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what have I ever told you what to do? I just want to put them next to each other because it's fun. <laughs> Can I talk about rope? Yes. yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> so... Everybody, I would say, when you talk about Hitchcock, I would say that there are probably three in this top three that people talk about, like at nauseum. Rear Window, Vertigo, Psycho. I may be missing some, but North overall. North Northwest, I feel like, is... North by Northwest? Convo. This is probably his best movie for me. I love this movie. I love this movie. I think it builds the most tension in any Hitchcock movie ever. And I think that is a lot to do with the scummy two kids. Like, they feel so entitled and so, like, thing. And then you know who comes in? Smooth Jimmy Stewart. And, like, knows some shit is up and does not like where this is going. And, like... In that room, in that tension where they're able to build, it's a short watch, but every time he gets close to that spot, the heartbeats go up. And I think that's something that he is brilliant in capturing in this movie. Um, I remember watching that, and I was like, I'm going to watch more Hitchcock, because I think Hitchcock's an overrated hack. I'm wrong. I think he's got brilliant work. He, he, Dial in for murder, another great movie. Fantastic. Like, he's got some hits that I absolutely love. But this, yeah, where you don't have, like, an increase of, like, score even. Like, it, there is some score, but, like, it's not like the, like, like they could be over the top. You feel that just as, I'm like, oh, my God, if they if he touches that right now, what's going to happen? It's a brilliant. It's a brilliant in such a confined space. I love it. I think Rope is definitely one of his underrated movies especially when you talk about it rope is like rope what are you talking about but once you watch it i think he i think he's at playing with all of his elements in this movie but it's it's his most simplistic movie too i think it's like his mo he doesn't have anything else going on it's just this in the room and it's i think it's great um i'll give my rating at the end i think or do i give it now oh no you can't give your rating now i was gonna ask you had you not I gave it four and a half. I gave it four and a half. Uh, I, I honestly would like the story to drag a little bit longer, to be honest with you. I, I think this is one that would benefit from a little bit more instead of rushing to it. I wish it was a little bit, and then the I think the tension would grow a little bit more, and I would like to stay in that tension as long as possible. So. I think I'm lagging a little bit, so Mike, I'm going to let you talk about the movie, and I will even come back. Yeah, so um, uh, this movie is very, like, stage play and it works really fucking well in that regard. Jimmy Stewart and uh, John Dahl are fucking incredible together. And like Cody said, the tension throughout this movie is fucking amazing. I love, like, this movie has crawled up to be in my top five Hitchcock movies. Dude, it's just so fucking good. Every time I rewatch it, I love it even more. And yeah, every time you go, anybody goes near that section, everything just stops and you just go, are they going to see it? Are they going to see it? And Jimmy Stewart is, plays it so fucking well. It is a great fucking movie. 
Yeah. Uh, Joseph. Yeah. Uh, this movie is better for, uh, I, with the movies that Cody mentioned about being among the top grades, I wish this were, this movie were talked about more than Vertigo, which kind of lags at, at points more than, uh, more than usual for me in, in terms of what other movies I've seen from Hitchcock. And this movie, I when I first saw this movie, I was not uh, prepared for how short it was, but I was also looking forward to how short it was. But even then, it still manages to uh, create some fascinating ways of making tension with just the... With the one location, whenever the... I love the camera work and the direction that this movie has because there are scenes, uh, of course, there are scenes where they talk about having, uh, I love when they talk about uh, David and you can see the camera moving to include the chest in the frame. To, yeah, I, I, I like that. The, the, that way that Hitchcock creates suspense. I think that the movie also is very, very effective at making the, at making the, at, at developing the characters with just the dialogue in that room. Like the two guys, Brandon and Philip, they are kind of, I, so, so this is a credit to the actors. I like, I, th I think the actor does, who plays Philip, I don't remember his name, but he does a really great job at contrasting with Brandon, who's such a smug type of guy. And the way that they talk about the the killing of their classmate, it makes me go simultaneously, you guys are kind of gross talking about it. This fun type of challenge for you to over uh, to undertake. And it's kind of disturbing but at the same time, the way that they talk about it is just fascinating, and it's kind of unsettling to me. Um, I'm right there in somewhere between four and four and a half stars uh, for this movie. I really like it. Uh, yeah, go check it out if you haven't. If you're not into classics, this is a real short one that I think can be very, very beneficial to watching for getting into classics as well. That's fair. Mike, remind me, did you say your rating for it? Yeah. Five star, okay. great fucking movie. Okay, fair enough. Uh, well, that is it for our show. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Thank you to Joe. Thank you to Mike. Thank you to Cody. Uh, we will be back next week, I believe, with comic book movie villains. I'm going to check that because it's not in my little thing. Here. I think it's horror movie villains. No, horror villains is the 25th. Oh, the 25th? Oh. I believe comic book movie villain. No, comic book movie villains is the 18th. So I'm not quite sure what is next week. Uh, I'll look at the post and you'll you'll look at the post and you'll see what comes up next week. Anyway, I'm looking it up right now. If it helps, it's the horror villains. Oh, it is horror villains. Version. It's here. 25th, I have that. 25th is Guilty Pleasures Volume Three Horror Movie Edition. That's fair. For whatever reason, right here it says the 25th Horror Villains. Ignore that. Oh. Next week is Horror <laughs> Villains. So, ignore that. Uh, next week, Horror Villains. Week after that, come Movie Villains. Week after that, Guilty Pleasures Horror Movie Edition. So, thank you everyone. Have a good one. See you later.
in case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening.